It's the Heartland at Noon on 800 CHAB. Here's Rob Carney. Welcome to the Thursday, December 30th, 2021 edition of the Heartland at Noon. Brought to you by Heritage Insurance and Purpose Financial, working together to serve you better. Today, we've got the latest on COVID-19. Cases continue to climb in the local South Central Zone. The Omicron variant, the new enemy. Premier Scott Moe, along with Health Minister Paul Merriman and Dr. Saqib Jahab, addressing the media, addressing the province on Facebook Live last hour. Some were anticipating perhaps new stricter public health orders in advance of New Year's Eve. That did not happen. We've got that story coming up. Extreme cold warnings still in effect. Environment and Climate Change Canada warning preparedness meteorologist Natalie Hazel is watching the situation. We'll visit with her. We're counting down our top 10 local news stories of the year. We'll take you through numbers 8 through 5 today on the Heartland at Noon. You're listening to 800 CHAB Moose Jaw, a Golden West radio station. Your Discover Moose Jaw News. Good afternoon. I'm Catherine Ludwig. With wind chills dipping below minus 40 at night, Environment Canada has been issuing cold weather warnings for Moose Jaw and the surrounding areas. Temperatures are expected to remain extremely cold heading into the weekend, but we can see a warming up on Sunday. Warning preparedness meteorologist Natalie Hazel with Environment and Climate Change Canada said these warnings come into effect when the weather turns dangerous. We're not issuing a warning because, you know, because you can't tell that it's cold. I'm sure you can tell. Um, But it's to remind you that you are dealing with something that's potentially dangerous and there are precautions to take. Your precautions are to avoid things like frostbite and hypothermia. Your local five-day weather forecast is coming up. The Big Give is our number seven story of the year, an initiative started by the Moose Jaw Chamber of Commerce to help support restaurants and provide food to those in need wrapped up in July. And the results were far beyond what they expected. A total of 2,614 meals were delivered, something Chamber CEO Rob Clark says benefited a lot of people in the community. We started the whole campaign. It was all about win, win, win. So it was win for the it was win for the restaurants. It was win for the community. It was also a win for the uh, for the people that were getting fed. So it was just a total great community uh, effort here that uh, pulled us all off. Clark says 23 restaurants ended up participating, and 28,423 dollars went back into the local restaurant industry. He hopes that they can create another initiative to support whatever industry needs it at the time. Now to our number eight story of 2021 is major construction projects that kicked off in the city. Servicing and construction began on the new Canadian Tire store on Thatcher Drive in April and Sask Power's Great Plains Power Station broke ground in July. Then Mayor Fraser told me said that the opening ceremony for the power plant had a lot of hurdles to overcome to make it a reality. You know, there were numerous times that I've said along the way that that this project faced challenges. Uh, You know, initially we weren't considered for this, and so we went after it. Uh, Our team worked very hard to um, convince SAS Power and, and the province that this was the right location. Construction also began at an old XL beef plant to convert it to a sow processing plant. 
And 2021 started off with a lot of unknowns for the Moose Jaw Warriors. But our number six story of the year is the Warriors' return to the ice. On March 12th, the hub season began in Regina, and the Warriors sending 15 forwards, 8 defensemen, and 2 goalies. In total, the Warriors were able to play a shortened 24-game season, facing only Western Hockey League East Division teams with no fans in attendance. In February, Alan Miller announced his resignation as the Warriors' general manager for a new gig with Hockey Canada. Then assistant general manager Jason Ripplinger was promoted to GM. In the summer, the league announced the return of a full 68-game schedule for the 2021-2022 season, meaning the team would be allowed to travel and finally play play in front of their home crowd once again. We have a full look at sports coming up. With the extreme cold, Saskatchewan broke a record when it comes to power consumption yesterday. Saskatchewan homes and residents reached a peak of 3,868 megawatts in power usage at 5.27 p.m. on Wednesday. The previous record was 3,792 megawatts that was reached on December 29th in 2017. The record was broken by 76 megawatts, which is equivalent to powering 76,000 homes. And with the new year up ahead, many of us will be making resolutions, and a lot of them have to do with spending more responsibly. Aaron Rustin of Purposed Financial has some tips. Rustin says now is the time to plan financially for the upcoming year. So you know what you should do as the year comes to a close here, and we have Christmas and then the last week before New Year's, is reflect on 2021 and think, hey, what did I do this year? Was I happy with the outcomes? Uh, what am I going to do going into 2022 that's going to make a difference? Other tips include setting a budget, planning ahead on big-ticket items, and transferring money into your savings account. Four deaths in relation to COVID-19 were reported yesterday, along with 293 cases and 76 recoveries. There were 66 confirmed cases of the Omicron variant and another 890 probable cases. Of yesterday's new case count, 19 were in the South Central Zone, Regina had 138, and Saskatoon had 60. 1,645 cases are considered active. 83 people are currently being treated in hospital, 28 are receiving inpatient care, and 15 people are in the ICU. And do you have a story to share? Click Submit News on discovermoosejaw.com. Health officials in at least six provinces all have briefings planned for today as COVID-19 case counts continue to shatter records. Five provinces set infection records yesterday and Alberta has more than doubled its active case count in a week. It's leaving some provinces to already change their plans to have students return to classrooms next week. Others are considering similar moves. Governor General Mary Simon is using her first New Year's message to strike a chord of optimism. She says Canadians can be hopeful as they ring in 2022 despite the pandemic. Simon's message in English, French and Inuktitut says Canadians have shown resilience, compassion and adaptability despite a difficult year. The Kremlin says President Vladimir Putin initiated today's phone call between the Russian leader and U.S. President Joe Biden. The two are set to discuss the Russian troop buildup at the Ukrainian border. Putin continues to demand security guarantees blocking NATO from expanding to Ukraine in advance of talks between senior American and Russian officials next month in Geneva. And police in Columbus, Ohio haven't laid any charges after a man mistook his 16-year-old daughter for an intruder and shot and killed her. The mother called 911 about 4.30 yesterday morning telling the dispatcher her husband had shot at someone he thought was breaking into the house after the security system was activated. 
The father could be heard on the recording of the call asking his daughter what she was doing, and both parents begged the girl to wake up. I'm Ham Fedek. Now, discover Moose Jaw Sports. Hockey fans across the country were all set for the action last night as Team Canada was to take on Germany at the World Junior Hockey Championships. And then the tournament was cancelled. Three games had to be forfeited due to positive COVID-19 cases, putting three teams in mandatory quarantine. And then the tough decision to cancel came late yesterday afternoon. In the meantime, action continues in the Western Hockey League. The Winnipeg Ice beat the Pats in Regina 4-2 last night. Moose Jaw Warriors will host the Red Deer Rebels tomorrow on New Year's Eve at Mosaic Place. The Warriors will then play the Pats in Regina New Year's Day. And their next game, scheduled for Monday in Winnipeg, has been postponed due to current COVID restrictions in Manitoba. NHL tonight, seven games on the schedule, including the Vancouver Canucks in Los Angeles to play the Kings. The Canucks are looking for their eighth straight win under new head coach Bruce Boudreaux. And two local judo athletes will be heading to Edmonton next month to take part in the Elite Eight National Judo Championships. 15-year-olds Avery Gibney and Colby Fenrick are ranked in the top eight nationally in the UAT division. The athletes' rankings are based off of wins and placings on the national circuit. The Elite Eight is one of two national championships on the calendar. Now, your Discover Moose Jaw weather. Nasty cold. The extreme cold warning remains in effect. We get a mix of sun and cloud this afternoon. Wind only about 15K, but wind chill down around minus 40 as we uh, hope to climb to a high of minus 29. Oh, we're there now. <laughs> Frostbite in minutes, of course. A few clouds tonight. Uh, wind chill down around minus 45 with a low of minus 33. Tomorrow, sunny, high minus 30, wind chill minus 45. Saturday, sunny, a little better, the high minus 20. Then Sunday, a mix of sun and cloud with the temperature climbing to minus 4. Monday, cloudy, flurries, high minus 14. Yesterday's high for Moose Jaw. Minus 24. Normal high at this time of year, minus 8. Normal low, minus 19. Record high for today, 7 degrees, set in 1980. The record low, minus 38 in 1992. Sun came up at 9.03. Sun goes down at 5.07. This hour, Moose Jaw, minus 29. Wind chill, minus 41. Regina, everybody's wind chills all down around minus 40. Regina, minus 31. Assiniboia Gravelberg, temperature minus 27. Rockland Corridac, minus 26. Swift Current, minus 28. Albo, minus 33. Davidson Watrous, minus 31. Once again, Assiniboia, minus 27. Regina, minus 31. And with the wind northwest at 15 and the relative humidity at 70%, it's minus 29 in Moose Jaw. Wind chill, minus 41. commentary straight ahead on the heartland at noon larry from the park kicking off the new year with kicking good deals canadian 18 packs six bucks off pilsner 18 packs five bucks off and a whopping 10 bucks off coors light 24 packs in and out in one minute think of the time you'll save more time with the in-laws awesome the park kicking it starting a business can be a little overwhelming you may be asking yourself how will my customers find me how will they feel about my products Will they want to buy from me? Will they tell their friends about me? Understanding your customer's journey is the key to driving your business forward. 
Homefield can help. Let us build you an online presence you can be proud of. See how Homefield can work for you at myhomefield.ca. This is Greg Marston from Heritage Insurance, and you're listening to The Heartland at Noon on 800 CHAB. Road Report from My Addictions Clothing Boutique Town and Country Mall. Stop by and check out the great selection of fashions and accessories. Specials throughout the store at My Addictions Clothing Boutique Town and Country Mall. Not much going on around here. Local area highways in pretty good winter driving condition. There's some swirling snow to reduce visibility and some icy patches and slippery sections on the uh, on the Regina Bypass. Uh, also... Highway 363, southwest of Moose Jaw. You'll find some winter conditions there, some drifting snow. Other than that, it's just extremely cold, so make sure you got a winter survival kit with you. Uh, extra clothing, food, water, candles, matches at the very least, and a fully charged cell phone helps too. And remember, a quick and easy way to know when your garbage is being picked up in the city of Moose Jaw is with the free Moose Jaw Live app. You'll get push notifications direct to your smartphone so you'll never miss a day. It's free. It's in the App Store. Now, today's Paul Martin commentary. Employers are paying more, and they're having some luck filling job vacancies. We've just seen an updated monthly tally looking at the number of jobs going unfilled across the country, coupled with the latest average weekly pay package. What we're seeing in Saskatchewan is somewhat unique. Job vacancies, which hit a record at the end of the second quarter, are now being filled. And average wages are rising, suggesting there may be a correlation. Employers are offering more money, and prospective workers are responding. In fact, Saskatchewan's average weekly pay has now surpassed Quebec's rate, putting us at number four in the country. And it's worked so well that 3.9% Saskatchewan had the lowest percentage of empty jobs anywhere in the country in October. And the story of which positions are going unfilled nationally is pretty consistent. Compared with pre-pandemic levels, the number of unfilled licensed practical nursing positions had risen by 180%. For those in the hospitality sector, accommodation and food service, the vacancy rate's 170% higher than it was two years ago. I'm Paul Martin. Moose Jaw, notoriously entertaining. Ring in the new year with one of the South Hill Bowling Center's New Year's Eve parties. There's a party for families and the younger crowd from 7 to 9 and the older crowd's party from 10 to 1. Get your tickets today. South Hill Bowling Center, where fun is the name of the game. You're listening to 800 CHAB along with us at LBBD Auto Body. Hi, I'm Terry, and we are proud to say that we now have the highest level of accreditation for safe and quality collision repair in town. This is Aaron Rustin of Purpose Financial, where we've been bringing clarity, understanding, and success to our clients' personal financial plans for over 35 years. And you're listening to The Heartland at Noon on 800 CHAB. The latest on COVID-19. Well, we'll start with the latest from Premier Scott Moe and Chief Medical Health Officer Dr. Saqib Shahab, who addressed the province last hour. The provincial government is not imposing any new public health orders. Instead, asking all of us to continue to do what we can do by masking up and getting vaccinated and testing ourselves frequently, especially after gathering with friends or family. Um, we're in a place now in Saskatchewan where we really have unprecedented testing capacity. Uh, we have our public PCR tests that are available that we've had since the beginning. Uh, those are available for, for people that are symptomatic. Uh, we have our private, both PCR and rapid testing capacity that is available across this province. Many are utilizing that for proof of negative tests uh, that are certified as well as uh, if they're traveling, uh, for instance. And now we have 
Uh, today, uh, 12.6 million rapid tests, self-rapid tests that are available uh, in this province. Um, another 4 million uh, have been confirmed uh, will be delivered in the month of January. And so that will bring us, uh, you know, to over 16 million tests uh, by the end of January that will be available for Saskatchewan people. So please uh, go out and, and pick up your, your supply of rapid tests. Have those um, at home for you and your family. Today... Um, those rapid tests are, are very quickly becoming a key part in our fight against COVID-19 and in particular against the Omicron variant. And today, under the direction of Dr. Shahab, we are changing our guidance on what you should do if you should happen to test positive with one of those rapid tests. Up until today, we've been telling you that if you test positive with a rapid test, that you should then go get a PCR test to confirm that result. And we're saying today that is no longer necessary. If you test positive, you should assume that you have covid and you should immediately self-isolate. Uh, the Saskatchewan Health Authority will continue to offer those PCR testing uh, sites across the province as an option for anyone who is experiencing symptoms. And, and we, uh, for sure, would encourage people to, to avail themselves uh, to that uh, if, they are, if they do have symptoms. But as rapid tests are becoming much more commonplace and much more utilized in our communities, this will help uh, remove some of the pressure off of that Saskatchewan Health Authority uh, testing system in particular as we look ahead to the next number of days and months and it will allow uh, for many of those healthcare workers to uh, possibly be providing other services across the the health authority and in our communities and i know someone may be asking uh, won't that mean that some covid cases could potentially go unreported and uh, the answer to that is yes uh, there, there could be some covid cases that go unreported but we're now at a point of time in this pandemic and this is not uh, specific to saskatchewan but many other provinces um, are changing the metric in which we are uh, looking at as a key indicator away from the case numbers, the daily case rates, to our hospitalizations and to our ICU admissions. So very much uh, we will be watching uh, those metrics in the days ahead, hospitalizations, ICU numbers, um, even more so than the case numbers, the daily case numbers that we have. Uh, Dr. Shahab has also been reviewing uh, the latest clinical guidance from across Canada and around the world. And based on his recommendation, we are also going to reduce the self-isolation period following a positive test, whether it's a PCR test or a, uh, a rapid test, um, from, from 10 days uh, down to 5 days. So Dr. Shahab will also be making some recommendations about New Year's Eve and a number of other gatherings that may be occurring on, on, uh, in and around uh, New Year's Eve. And he's going to speak to those in a, in a couple of minutes. But I would say that uh, today... Uh, we are not imposing any new public health orders or restrictions or measures at this time. We're continuing to watch our hospitalizations and our intensive care numbers very closely. And we may take further action in the, in the days and weeks ahead, uh, but we are, are not today um, as, a situation, um, as a situation is what, what we have uh, today. I've also asked the Saskatchewan Health Authority to begin reporting on uh, how many hospitalizations are being admitted that are due to COVID? And how many then are incidental cases? For example, patients who are admitted to hospital uh, for some other reason and then on admission may test positive for COVID. As transmission rises in our communities, we, be, we will begin to see a lot more incidental cases uh, of COVID in our hospitals over the course of the next number of weeks. We're seeing uh, this in other provinces as we speak. Um, a new study out of South Africa, for example, has showed that 63% of their hospitalizations uh, during their Omicron wave were actually incidental uh, COVID cases. And that's something that we want to be tracking here um, all the way through. 
COVID is going to be around and, and going to be in our communities for a, in one form or another for some time now. And if we want to avoid uh, going back to restrictions and, and lockdowns and limits on, on individual uh, freedoms that we enjoy, we want to avoid all of that if we are, are able. And there are things that we can all do to ensure that that can happen. First, uh, go out and get your first dose if you have not, your second dose if you have not, um, and very importantly, go out and get your booster shot uh, as, uh, as you become uh, eligible for that. Second, go out and pick up some rapid tests and then use them. Uh, don't let them sit on yourself. Utilize those tests. We have enough uh, for everyone to be using them on a regular basis. And third, if uh, you do test positive with either a rapid test or a PCR test, uh, self-isolate self immediately. Um, and keep wearing a mask. The masks are proving to be uh, very effective, so keep wearing your mask wherever that's required uh, in, in our communities and in our province. And I, I think those would be a couple of very, very good New Year's resolutions for each of us as Saskatchewan residents to, to make to ourselves. Go out, get your booster shot, um, rapid test yourself a few times on a regular basis. Um, that's how we're going to protect ourselves and prevent ourselves from getting sick, and that's how we're ultimately going to protect uh, those around us that we care about. And it's ultimately how we're going to ensure that we uh, continue to reduce the pressure in our hospitals and our health care system. And it's how we will keep uh, th things open in our communities right across this province. Uh, Dr. Shahab, do you have a, a few comments? Yes, thank you, Premier. Just wanted to confirm, uh, sound is okay? We can hear you. Thank you. So, thank you, Premier. So, again, you know, I think I'll just add a few comments to the Premier's opening remarks that it is extremely cold this time of the year. And uh, just like over Christmas, I think most gatherings are small, consistent, uh, friends and family. Um, with the new year, uh, you know, again, I would uh, uh, really request that we uh, stick to close family and friends. Uh, maybe have um, uh, up to 10 people over, uh, possibly from limited two or three households and instead of going to multiple venues multiple houses uh, connect uh, with each other virtually uh, a small gathering here connecting with another small gathering there uh, we you know i have been monitoring uh, our case numbers throughout the christmas weekend and uh, will throughout the new year and we are as as expected seeing um, you know a gradual and consistent increase in transmission with omicron no surprise, you know, we were the last province to uh, get impacted, but we are getting impacted and we will continue to see uh, a rapid uh, escalation of case numbers. And we are seeing that throughout the province, but just like in other provinces, starting initially with the large urban centers and then smaller urban centers. And I think we need to keep this in perspective. You know, Omicron, as the Premier said, is very different and many of us are fully vaccinated. We have done well and have managed to avoid getting COVID. But, you know, over the next few weeks and months, many of us, despite our best efforts, will get uh, exposed to Omicron. And then, uh, you know, uh, most of us who are uh, fully vaccinated and boosted will either have no symptoms or will uh, get mild symptoms. Um, uh, but again, we will be watching this very closely because right now most of the Omicron cases are in Saskatchewan and throughout Canada are in, um, you know, the 20 to 39 year age group. Um, you know, we're not seeing hospitalizations, but obviously as uh, it impacts uh, children under five uh, or people who are older than 60, we will be watching very closely and the week of January 10th, hopefully we will have a detailed report 
on um, impact of Omicron by age, underlying risk factors, and vaccination status, including how well our boosters protecting. Um, but coming back to this weekend, you know, I think because Omicron transmits more, uh, more in young people, while Christmas, you know, we expect to see a bit of an increase because of Christmas celebrations, in New Year's Eve, I think the risk is higher because just like with Thanksgiving, we saw a bit of a bump, but more so with Halloween because mostly it was younger people congregating. So again, I would urge all um, uh, adults uh, and, and youth to really be uh, really um, thoughtful about how uh, they get together if they choose to, you know, a small gathering in one place, uh, whether it's a public venue where proof of vaccination or negative test is required, where you still have to wear a mask at all times unless seated and eating. Uh, or is someone's house where, you know, keep it a small, consistent group and don't go to multiple houses. Connect with other friends and family virtually when, uh, when you're calling in the new year. And wear a mask even if you're at a friend or family member's house. It feels odd, but I think we need to do what we can to keep New Year's Eve celebrations safe. And we will see a surge, but we need to manage the surge and keep it as low as possible. Premier Scott Moe, along with Dr. Saqib Shahab, addressing the province last hour. Again, the government not imposing any new public health orders. The latest numbers from yesterday, four deaths in relation to COVID-19 reported, 293 new confirmed cases, 66 new confirmed cases of the Omicron variant in the province, with another 890 probable. Um, of the new case count, 19 of them here in the South Central Zone, and we're back up to 97 active cases. That's up 16 from the 81 we reported yesterday. 1,645 cases considered active within the province, 83 people in hospitals, 28 in inpatient care, and 15, well, that doesn't add up. we got 15 people uh, in ICU uh, across the province. That's the latest on COVID-19. We'll take a break and be back to continue the countdown of our 10 top local news stories of 2021 on the Heartland at noon. In a recent year, there are about 77,000 wholly attributable alcohol hospitalizations in Canada. 77,000 people in one year in hospitals because of alcohol and no other reason. Alcohol use is legal, socially acceptable, and most often enjoyable. It's up to you to keep it that way. Where, when, and how much you drink is your responsibility. Please drink responsibly and don't ever drink and drive. This message has been brought to you by 800-CHAB. Your hospital. Your health. Your foundation. We all rely on the care of the professionals at the Dr. F.H. Wigmore Regional Hospital. Whether they're bettering the lives of our loved ones or saving our own, we all want the best health care to be available at our hospital when we need it most, now and in the future. With a planned gift in your will or estate plan, you can help build a legacy of health care for your family, friends, and community. Contact the Moose Jaw Health Foundation or your local legal or financial professional advisor to find out how you can leave your legacy today. This is Greg Marston from Heritage Insurance and you're listening to the Heartland at Noon on 800 CHAB. Counting down the top 10 local news stories of 2021. We continue the countdown today from uh, number 8 to number 5 with Sean Slats. Today, Discover Musha is unveiling stories 8 through 5 in our countdown of the top 10 news stories of 2021. Our number 8 story of 2021 is major construction projects kick off in the city and the surrounding area. Servicing and construction began on the new Canadian Tire Store on Thatcher Drive in April, and SAS Power's Great Plains Power Station broke ground in July. 
Then-Mayor Fraser Tomey said at the opening ceremonies for the power plant that the city had a lot of hurdles to overcome to make it a reality. You know, there were numerous times that I've said along the way that, that this project faced challenges. Uh, you know, initially we weren't considered for this, and so we went after it. Uh, our team worked very hard to um, convince SAS Power and, and the province that this was the right location. Construction also began on the old XL beef plant to convert it to a sow processing plant. Over in Assiniboia, their recreation complex is coming to fruition. The $15.7 million facility is expected to include a rink, walking track, teen center, and a pickleball-sized gymnasium to replace the old civic center. At number seven is The Big Give, an initiative started by the Moose Jaw Chamber of Commerce. The chamber collected donations to buy takeout meals from local restaurants. And then partnering with Hunger in Moose Jaw and the Moose Jaw District Food Bank, they delivered meals to those who would normally not be able to afford takeout meals. And the results of the initiative was far beyond what the Chamber of Commerce expected. A total of 2,614 meals were delivered, something Chamber CEO Rob Clark said benefited a lot of people in the community. We started the whole campaign and it was all but win, win, win. So it was win for the, it was win for the restaurants, it was win for the community, it was also a win for the, uh, for the people that were getting fed. So it was just a total great community uh, effort here that uh, pulled us all off. Clark says 23 restaurants ended up participating and over $28,000 went back into the local restaurant industry. Our number six story of the year is the Moose Jaw Warriors returned to the ice after COVID-19 brought a stop to their season. On March 12th, the hub season began in Regina with the Warriors sending 15 forwards, 8 defensemen and 2 goalies. In total, the Warriors were able to play a shortened 24-game season, facing only Western Hockey League East Division teams with no fans in attendance. In the summer, the league announced the return to a full 68-game schedule for the 2021-2022 season, meaning the team would be allowed to travel and finally play in front of their home crowd once again. And finally at number 5, saw Moose Javians hit the polls not once, but twice in 2021. Mayor Fraser Tomey won the nomination for the Conservative Party to run in the federal election for Moose Jaw Lake Center Lanigan and won the seat in the September election. Tomey would have to step down as the mayor of Moose Jaw, triggering a by-election. In November, Moose Jaw hit the polls again to elect a new mayor. Clive Tolley beat out nine candidates, receiving 1,290 votes, 41 votes ahead of the second-place finisher Crystal Froze to become Moose Jaw's 41st mayor. Tolley gave his reaction shortly after being elected. I feel very, very fortunate to have won. Um, there's some good people that ran in this contest against me, and uh, I feel very fortunate to have beaten them and, and been elected mayor of Moose Jaw because it's something I, I wanted to do. I love my city and I'm passionate about it. Stay tuned tomorrow as we reveal the top four stories of 2021, including our number one story of the year. For Discovery with Sean News, I'm Sean Slott. Okay, thanks very much, Sean. Appreciate that. Now, let's get to this extreme cold warning. There is the promise of a brief break from the cold this coming weekend. Sean Slatt confirming that with a visit with Environment and Climate Change Canada Warning Preparedness Meteorologist Natalie Hazel. I guess first, can you tell me a little bit about uh, what is causing these uh, cold temperatures in our area? So we've kind of got uh, a combination of factors, although they are related. So first, uh, we are across most of Western Canada um, and definitely Alberta and Saskatchewan under the influence of a ridge of high pressure. This ridge is an Arctic ridge. Cold air from the Arctic has settled into the area. 
And with ridges, typically, we have clear skies and light winds. Um, although the winds could be enough to make a difference windshield-wise, um, they are relatively light. So when we look at temperatures and how things change throughout the day, in the overnight period under clear skies and light winds, heat will escape from the surface of the planet into space. So the ground cools down, and in that in turn cools down the layer of air right next to the surface, which is where most of us spend our time. So um, not only are we dealing with the fact that our source of air, the air mass we are dealing with, is from a very cold region, we're also dealing with the fact that the temperature changes that we see happen right at the surface or the ones that affect us the most obviously happen right at the surface. And um, in these conditions with heat escaping to space, things cool down even more. So the overnight temperatures have been particularly cold in a lot of places over the last little while. And um, there's not much recuperation um, from those very cold temperatures in the early morning hours uh, during the day. So you end up just remaining in very cold conditions until the wind shifts and the source of the air changes or the, the air that's there gets very modified. Um, and we won't see that shift until the weekend, probably not until Sunday, uh, we have a low-pressure system that should be developing in the lee of the Rockies in Alberta. And as that low uh, trundles across, it will come across uh, through southwestern Saskatchewan. Um, and areas ahead of it will see a bit of the warm-up as the winds around that low will mean that the wind pattern has changed. So your source of air will be different on Sunday and maybe still on Monday some but unfortunately um, our extended models do suggest that the temperatures will fall back down to quite cold um, by middle of next week and we don't see much recuperation until the second week of January so um, you do get a bit of a break this weekend or rather the, the second and the third, so Sunday and Monday. But overall, um, the next 14-day period is quite cold. Can you share some safety tips with us? Okay. Well, first I'll give you the reference. Um, if you're looking at the weather.gc.ca page for Moose Jaw, um, if you look at the current conditions, there'll be... Um, uh, an entry for wind chill. For instance, at 1 p.m., your wind chill was minus 38. But the words wind chill are actually a link, and they link you to the, uh, the safety tips. Um, so if we look at those, um, the main thing with cold weather safety, we issue warnings because there's a hazard. Right? We're not issuing a warning because you know, because you can't tell that it's cold. I'm sure you can tell. Um, but it's to remind you that you are 
dealing with something that's potentially dangerous and there are precautions to take. Your precautions are to avoid things like frostbite and hypothermia. So we want you to dress warmly, typically in layers, and the outer layer should be wind resistant. Um, this will allow the body heat that you generate to stay in your clothing and to keep you warm. Uh, you want your footwear to be insulated and waterproof. Um, you want to cover as much exposed skin as possible. Um, frostbite, when we're talking about temperatures or wind chill conditions at minus 40, frostbite can develop within minutes. So it's very fast. You know, it's the amount of time it might take you to walk over to the neighbors or wait for a bus or wait to be picked up. You know, literally just minutes. So um, by covering as much exposed skin as possible, you reduce the risk of suffering frostbite. Um, frostbite is when not only the skin layer freezes, but the tissues below or underneath freeze as well. So you'll go from something that's bright red and really painful, or at least bright red if you're fair-skinned. Dark-skinned, you might not be able to tell um, the difference. The visual cue might not be there. And also, people of African descent with dark skin, even if their family has been in the country for several generations, physiologically they are different. They are more susceptible to the cold. So not only are they more susceptible, but now you don't have the visual cue. So your awareness has to include communication. You have to ask, how are you feeling? What are you feeling? Um, as the tissues beneath the skin freeze, the nerves freeze. So things can go from very painful to suddenly kind of weirdly tingly or numb. That is frostbite. You've re reached that stage. You already have reached frostbite. Now, if you were to keep going... Uh, then frostbite could turn into a permanent skin damage situation or an amputation situation. So if you've reached that point, you're in trouble. So when it goes from painful to numb or tingly, get inside. Um, seek shelter. Find a way to warm up. Gently, though, don't apply direct heat. Do not rub your skin because you could damage it. Um, and then try not to go out until you can assure uh, that you can keep warm. Scary is what it is. Scary cold. And uh, like she said, that's why they issue the extreme cold warnings. Not because we can't tell us cold, uh, but because we need to guard against serious injury from frostbite. We're going to take a time out. Enough of this cold weather. Uh, we... We've got a break coming on Sunday. We'll look forward to that. I'll be back to tell you about a book you might uh, consider reading uh, over the, the weekend if you have some spare time, especially if you're a hockey fan. You'll find this intriguing. That story's next on The Heartland at noon on CHAB. The Moose Jaw Co-op Liquor Store knows that you enjoy nights of cards, games, and laughter. You gather with neighbors, family, and friends for eggnog lattes, cold beer, or a glass of Pinot Noir. The Moose Jaw Co-op Liquor Store is for the host, for the guest, for you. 
stocked for the holiday season with competitive pricing, specials, and giveaways. Plus, every Moosejaw Co-op liquor store purchase earns you equity and cash back membership benefits. Become a Moosejaw Co-op member today. Be part of something bigger. Larry from the park kicking off the new year with kicking good deals. Canadian 18 packs, 6 bucks off. Pilsner 18 packs, 5 bucks off. And a whopping 10 bucks off Coors Light 24 packs. In and out in one minute. Think of the time you'll save. More time with the in-laws. Awesome. The park kicking it. Discover Moose Jaw weather for Prairie Heart Mobility. Make life easier with quality mobility products. Discover your options at prairieheartmobility.com. Environment Canada has issued an extreme cold weather warning for Moose Jaw in the surrounding area. A period of extraordinary cold is expected to stay in southern Saskatchewan for the rest of the year. An extremely cold Arctic air mass remains entrenched in southern Saskatchewan, bringing extreme wind chills of minus 40 to minus 50. A mix of sun and cloud this afternoon, a high of minus 29 with a wind chill near minus 40, and frostbite can take hold in minutes. Tonight, a few clouds and a low of minus 33 with a wind chill of minus 40 this evening and minus 45 overnight. And once again, there's a risk of frostbite. Friday will be sunny skies, a high of minus 30 with a wind chill near minus 45, and a risk of frostbite still remains. Saturday, sunny skies, a high of minus 20. Sunday, mix of sun and cloud, a high of minus 4. And Friday, cloudy with a chance of snow and a high of minus 14. And remember to plan a safe ride home this New Year's. Wing in the New Year's back to help. In partnership with SGI, Moose Jaw Transit will provide free bus service on New Year's Eve. For transit times and pickup spots, you can visit the city's website. For all your news and weather anytime, click on discovermoosejaw.com or the Moose Jaw Live app. I'm Sean Slatt. This is Aaron Rustin of Purpose Financial, where we've been bringing clarity, understanding, and success to our clients' personal financial plans for over 35 years. And you're listening to The Heartland at Noon on 800-CHAB. The book's been out for a couple of years now, uh, but of course it's still available. It's a book called Major Misconduct. James McEwen, Stephen Pete, Dale Purinton, the focus in this book. All former Western Hockey League players, all former pro players, all former pugilists, all continue to struggle with life after hockey, life after fighting for a living. I'm a hockey fan. I always liked the fights, to be honest with you, and sometimes I still do. But I've always wondered why hockey players drop their gloves to fight, and I wonder if they'd do any less damage if they kept them on. A number of former fighters are gone, and gone way too soon. And off the top of my head, I think, like, former Western hockey leaders. Good guys. Derek Bugard, Wade Belak, and there are many more. Some we've lost to overdoses, some we've lost to suicide, and it's, it's awful. And more and more, I wonder if fighting in hockey should be outlawed. Author Jeremy Allingham is a hockey fan, too, and he's had enough of the fighting. His book, Major Misconduct, tells the stories of James McEwen, Stephen Pete, and Dale Purinton, former hockey tough guys who have struggled with life after hockey. First of all, Jeremy, um, your interest initially uh, in, uh, in these three young gentlemen that you write about in the new book, where did it start? Well, I mean, for me, hockey's always been a huge passion of mine, and, and I started playing when I was four years old, uh, you know, played all the way up, played rep hockey, uh, participated in hockey pools, loved to go to Canucks games, Giants games, Langley Thunder games. I grew up in Langley out here in BC, and um, I just came to see fighting as a bit of a, as a blemish on the game. It was something that started to kind of disturb me and, and make me wonder about 
why it was part of our culture as, as hockey loving people. And uh, so I started working on a series um, at my job at CBC radio and I came across James McEwen and James McEwen was uh, the captain of the Kelowna Rockets and he had this really dramatic story and uh, it really resonated with me and I, I called him and at the end of our first call I had goosebumps hearing about what he had been through from, from the fallout from traumatic brain injuries and uh, you know once you kind of start following a story and start following a beat and publishing stories and talking on the radio about it the other stories start to come and, and I ended up you know, finding about find out out about Stephen Pete, uh, who played for the Washington Capitals and, and played in the WHL, and then from the Stephen Pete story, Dale Purinton calls me and says, "Hey, it sounds like Stephen Pete's not doing very well. Um, he's, he's an old buddy of mine. I used to fight against him in NHL and the WHL, and and you know, if if you can help me connect with him, then I'd love to try and help him out. So it, it was really just like this kind of cascading series of events that just came from having an interest in it and uh, and learning these stories of these um, these amazing athletes who are having a really tough time right now. I've, uh, and it's been a while, I think uh, uh, maybe a year or more, I saw, one, I saw a piece you did with Stephen Pete. He's still struggling to this day. Yeah, so Stephen Pete, um, you know, I have this long kind of history, not necessarily personal history, but I used to go to see the Langley Thunder play at the Civic Center in Langley growing up on, you know, that was what we did on Friday nights when we were 13, 14 years old. And Stephen was this hulking defenseman who could skate and move the puck. And, of course, he could fight as well. And um, I started following his story. And then, you know, he makes the NHL, has a good little career. But, you know, it turns out, that after his playing days were over, he starts having, you know, suffering from some of those symptoms that are common with chronic traumatic encephalopathy. We call it CTE. Um, it's a degenerative brain disease. Um, you know, you don't know if you have it until you're dead, but, you know, these symptoms are, con- are are similar that he was having. He'd walk into a room, he wouldn't know why he got there, he couldn't focus, and, and apparently he was a guy who could kind of take apart a motorcycle engine and put it back together, but he lost the ability to do these kind of, like, fine focus things. He had rage. He was uh, experiencing addiction, using drugs, and um, one night, I guess, he was soldering some, some equipment, some stereo equipment, and it turns out he walked away to take a phone call in that forgetful way that he had become, and uh, burned his family house to the ground and so he was charged with arson by negligence ends up in jail and then from there his life kind of starts to spiral he starts going in and out of jail he can't make parole meetings uh you know and then eventually luke gets kicked out of um where he's living with his dad and he's living with he's living in and out of his truck and uh it took me a long time to track him down because he's living this tough life and he has no fixed address so i'm kind of out there looking for him and uh trying to track him down and texting with him but uh you know, it sounds like he's doing okay right now. I haven't uh, had a, an update in a couple weeks here, but uh, I'm glad to know that he's still kind of alive and kicking and surviving. But there have definitely been some very low points in, in Stephen Pete's life in, in uh, recent months and years. It's got to be, uh, I mean, for you, you're, you're, you want to tell the story, and that's, that's what you're doing in, in the book. You're letting people know uh, about the consequences of being a, a gladiator in that sport of hockey mm-hmm. that we all love. Uh, but at some point, it, it must have got personal. Like, you, you must feel some sort of sense of guilt when you drive away after meeting with this guy. I think you you nailed it. Um, I It took a year for me to meet up with Stephen Pete, and... Uh, when I did meet up with him, I, I, you know, my expectations were that it was going to be difficult and that it would be a, probably a tough meeting. And um, we ended up at a Tim Hortons and, you know, I bought him a sandwich and a ice cap or whatever and we're sitting there eating. And, 
he ends up telling me that he hears voices in his head and he's describing what the voices are telling him right now and how he just wishes he could get away from the noise, but he doesn't know what to do. And so, you know, I've been told by, you know, growing up as a journalist, I've been told by my mentors that, you know, you're there to tell the story. You're not there to hit, to save the people. But in that moment, it's pretty hard to differentiate the two because you look at the guy, he's my age. He's someone I've known about for 20 something years. And uh, I'm just getting goosebumps even thinking about it right now. And uh, so in that moment, you have to go like, okay, what can I do? To, to maintain my professionalism, but also perhaps try to help this guy out. So, in, you know, I kind of cut the interview or the conversation short and just said, hey, look, like I got, I got Glenn Healy's phone number. He's the president of the NHL Alumni Association, and he has assured me he will help you. And I said, do you want me to call Glenn? Do you want to talk to Glenn? And uh, he just said, no, no, I don't want to, because at the time he was living in a camper in his dad's kind of front yard and didn't want to go back to the hospital or anything like that and I said okay well that's you know that's up to you and then and then on the way home I thought about oh there's a guy I know in who I knew uh, was a common kind of person of a uh, common person that we knew who was a um, interventionist uh, and a kind of like a, I'm not sure he's a counselor yeah so I, and I, I just called him and said hey look uh, I know we both know this guy and I know he's not doing very well so maybe if you could reach out to him that would be great so you know I, I tried to to take some steps to to help but uh in the end as you say like i you know what i'm trying to do is is tell these harrowing stories in the hopes that they'll connect with people and that people will, will perhaps see not just the practice of fighting but the importance of the health of our hockey players in a different light jeremy ellingham is our guest on the heartland at noon the author of a book called major misconduct the human cost of fighting in hockey, uh, in which he uh, focuses on three different players, Stephen Pete, former Western Hockey Leaguer, Dale Purinton, former Western Hockey Leaguer, who actually started his Western League career with the uh, the Moose Jaw Warriors. More on that in a moment. And uh, James McEwen, who uh, was born and raised in Kelowna and played for the Seattle Thunderbirds, Kelowna Rockets, and, and uh, then played some pro in the uh, East Coast Hockey League, mostly, and uh, four games in the American Hockey League. Uh, Dale Purinton, uh, interesting, and, and I remember... Uh, uh, back in the 1991-93, season, Mike Babcock was our general manager and head coach, and Jamie mm-hmm. Reeve, Jamie Reeve was our assistant, and, and I was traveling with the Moose Jaw Warriors at that time as the play-by-play voice, and and I knew they had uh, they were talking about uh, listing this big tough kid. He was six foot three and 220 pounds, and playing for the Vernon Lakers. So we're out on our West Coast trip, and we picked him up. We rendezvoused with him and his dad, and and he jumped out of a out of a car uh, and grabbed a hockey and two sticks, as I recall, and threw them onto the bus and jumped on the bus and came with us, uh, played two games on the road trip before going back to Vernon, uh, and then subsequently ended up playing for uh, for Tacoma, uh, and then they moved to Kelowna, uh, so for the Rockets for two seasons, and finished off his uh, Western League career with Lethbridge Hurricanes. Ended up playing uh, quite a few games, actually, 181 games in the National Hockey League with the, uh, the New York Rangers, and I, I just remember back in the... Uh, well, late 90s and then into the uh, after the turn of the century, being so proud of this guy that I had met for making it to the New York Rangers, literally fighting his way 
to the NHL. Uh, and, uh, I mean, that's a, a success story on its own right there, but, but the price he paid, the price he, he continues to pay, uh, is, is a steep one. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, your interaction with Dale Purinton. You've already talked to me about him reaching out to, to see if he could get in touch with Stephen Pete, but where is uh, Dale Purinton's life at these days? Yeah, so I mean, I think Dale, uh, Dale was such a, it was such a kind of reflection of that warrior spirit of those fighters. And that's the thing you've come to learn about these guys is that they do, they do or they did the toughest job there is possibly in sports, which is, you know, bare knuckle boxing on ice on a daily basis or a nightly basis. And, but yet they're like some of the nicest, most charming guys in the whole sport. And, and so I just got a call. It was basically a cold call, um, from Dale Carrington on that Stephen Pete story, as I mentioned. But, um, you know, the funny thing is he didn't, for the first maybe three, four, five times we talked, he didn't even mention himself. He didn't, he didn't mention the, the stuff that he was going through. He just was worried about Stephen, which I think is a kind of a testament to his character. But what I found out was that, you know, after it turned out with these guys that the lockout in the early 2000s was the kind of like the turning point for a lot of their careers because they were kind of finding a groove, but then that, that break and service kind of threw things off kilter. Dale ended up, you know, going down playing for the, the Victoria Checkers, I think it was, in the East Coast Hockey League. Then he ends up in the AHL for a few more years, and he's gooning it up. But he ends up getting, um, he gets kicked in the head uh, with by a skate, and everything changes from him from there. He wasn't a guy who partied or did any drugs or drank too much before this injury, but after, that, the, after the injury happens, he starts having dread and anxiety and depression, and, you know, he's not training as hard as he used to, and he's just worried about the fights the next day he, he you know there's a part of the book where he describes to me that every before every game he's vomiting in a bucket or in the toilet because he's so he's so worried about what's going to happen in the game and um he ends up retiring uh from the game after you know some tough mental health stuff and uh, he goes back to Seanigan Lake in uh, on Vancouver Island and he's got three kids and a wife and things seem to be going well he's coaching his kids team uh in the in the junior a hockey league out here in BC and uh, working in the forestry industry a little bit, and um, his mother dies, and it becomes this kind of huge turning point where he kind of starts leaning on painkillers in a in a major way, and he gets kicked out of his house, uh, and things aren't going very well, and he's you know experiencing a lot of depression, and and um, he's telling me stories about how he just you know he can't leave his house during the day, he can't leave until the sun goes down, and uh, you know he, he says he'll be in Shoppers Drug Mart looking for a greeting card and. He'll read some sappy, you know, like Mother's Day card, but it'll just bring him to tears. And so he's just, he's, you know, a bit of a mess, having a tough time. And uh, he ends up getting invited uh, to kind of like reconnect with his family at his wife's family's cabin out in New York State. Uh, long story short, they go out um, on the town to celebrate some birthday. And uh, the, the wife's friend, or there's someone in town who's kind of, I guess, has his eyes on the wife and is texting, and Dale goes into a fit of rage and uh, uh, accosts him and kind of beats him to within an inch of his life. And uh, that was obviously a huge mistake, and he really hurt this guy. And long story short, he ends up having to serve six months in maximum security prison in New York State on a plea deal. Um, he could have been facing up to 25 years if, if he wasn't lucky enough to get that plea deal offer. So uh, he spends the time in jail and uh, comes. And before he goes to jail, gets sober, which is a huge part of the story. And then, uh, you know, now he's back still on Vancouver Island, Seanigan Lake, and um, trying to get by. And I know that 
Uh, he'll be in touch with me every once in a while, but I do know that there are long, uh, long stretches of silence because, you know, he's still struggling and I, I know he's getting by, but, uh, you know, I really hope he's doing well. I haven't heard too much from him lately. Are you concluding that uh, bare-knuckled fighting ha- has got to go in hockey? Uh, that's definitely where I'm coming from on this. Yeah, I don't think that I don't think it has a place in the game. I think we have a sport that's uh, fast and skillful and explosive and exciting, and the goals are gorgeous and the hits are are fun to watch. But for some reason, every once in a while, we blow the whistle and watch two guys pulverize each other's faces, and I just don't think that brings value to us. And and also, I think. Um, and I think this is kind of the place we need to start from in this conversation is that we all love the game of hockey. I love it. You love it, Rob. I'm sure very many people listening to this program right now love it. So what I would say is that if we all love the game of hockey, what we can also agree on is that we must love or we must care about the people who play the game we love. And fighting hurts the players. We've seen, we've seen it over and over again. Rick Rippon's dead. Derek Bugard's dead. Wade Belak's dead. Bob Probert's dead. The three guys in my book are struggling. Homelessness, addiction, in and out of jail, estrangement from their families. These, these are not lives that we would wish on our enemies. Um, and so the fact that, that fighting has contributed to these stories, I think, is more than enough reason to just just get rid of it and let's focus on the good stuff and let's keep our players who we care about playing the game we love safe. The book is called Major Misconduct, The Human Cost of Fighting in Hockey. If you're a hockey fan, you got to read it. The author is Jeremy Allingham. Jeremy, I, I can't thank you uh, enough for doing this today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. 800 CHAB, connecting the community. My name is Naomi, and I'm the social media clerk at the Moose Jaw Public Library. We're also going to be featuring the children's program, Great Outdoors Scavenger Hunt and Activities. This is an in-person program that will be uh, inside the library. You can join us in the children's department for a fun scavenger hunt in the library and a story to get ready for Family Literacy Day. It's for ages children three and up, and they're caring caregivers. Registration is required, so you can phone the library at 306-692-2787, and that'll be on January 15th from 10 1130 to 11:30 a.m. Connecting the community. Brought to you by Ottawa Real Estate, providing honest service for all your real estate and insurance needs. Locally owned since 1910. Minute Muffler Break and Wheel. They've expanded from five to ten bays. Expanded services to serve you better on the corner of Second Avenue Northwest and High Street, or MJMinute.ca. And Community Service Radio. 800 CHAB. If you have grain to sell, call JGL. 306-624-2378. Hi, Matt here from JGL Commodities. Farmers, prices have never been better for grains, pulses, and oil seeds. We are in the market for your wheat, barley, durum, flax, peas, lentils, and oats. Call us today to discuss our bids. Ranchers and feeders, JGL is your corn, wheat, barley, and byproduct supplier. When you deal with JGL, you're dealing with a company that has been operating in Saskatchewan for over 40 years. JGL Commodities, your trusted partner at the farm gate. Localjobshop.ca. Full-time, part-time, days, evenings, factory, retail, professional. Looking for a job that fits your schedule and skills? The right local job and the right local employees. Right here, right now. Localjobshop.ca. 
My brother-in-law framed some posters for me and gave them to me on Christmas Day. The posters are from A Cold Night for Cancer, the rock and roll show at the May Wilson Theater that featured the reunion of the family band Churko and Corey Churko's cover band Took. It was a great show and a wonderful evening. It took place in early January 2020, just when we were starting to hear more and more about the coronavirus COVID-19. It had not arrived here yet. The show was sold out, and the Cornerstone Inn was packed for the after party. Those were the days. I posted a photo of my posters on social media this week, and one of my friends reacted with, Ah, great memories. Another wrote, Amazing night. And then a longtime friend added, They will return and be even better than before. I sure hope so. Oh, we have returned to a new normal, and we've been able to come together with proof of vaccination and a mask mandate in indoor public spaces. But it's not the same, is it? Some days, I wonder if it ever will be. I'm Rob Kearney.